We are back for another Codex Cantina episode, which is just two guys talking literature, trying to make sense of it. Now, we spend a lot of time pushing ourselves, trying to understand this literature, organizing it, and then bringing it to a conversational approach for how we deliver it. And we've absolutely put more money in it than we've gotten out of it. So if you guys are considering supporting this channel, we'd appreciate you checking out our Patreon link at patreon.com slash the Codex Cantina, as well as Ko-Fi of ko-fi.com slash the Codex Cantina. It all helps us in running the show, along with commercials, guys. So thank you so much. We're going to do a quick commercial break, and then we'll get on with the rest of the episode. How I Met My Husband by Alice Munro. The title says it all, doesn't it? I, the whole time I was reading this, I kept thinking of the show How I Met Your Mother. <laughs> I did too. I did too. Okay, good. I'm not the only one. This was significantly less funny. Maybe cuter, but... <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't know. Barney Stenson. He, he's a cute guy. <laughs> <laughs> so the title says it all in terms of the narration, right? How I met my husband. We're, we're looking back on this years later. I think even in the story, she's just like, oh, yeah, those country folk, they used to get like water out of that well. Like, <laughs> it gives you an idea that she's able to reflect back on perhaps her younger years when she maybe didn't know as well she does. Oh, water from the well and reflect. I see what you did there. Ah. (laughs) I totally did not do that on purpose. (laughs) All right, so in terms of characters, there's not a ton here, but they're all, I think, pretty, pretty interesting. You get a you get a grip of them. You have the, the peebles who are more wealthy. Right. And they bought this home almost as like a show home, like a retirement home. Like they're not actually vacation home, right? Yeah. It's the vacation escape, like the lifestyle escape almost even. And then you've got the local gal, the little 15-year-old country gal, our narrator, Edie, who is poor, but she knows how to do stuff, right? They're the, the peoples are the outsourcers. She's the person that gets outsourced to, like she could do the work, right? Yeah, she's got street smarts for the most part. She knows how to get things done. Yeah, she's a go-getter. And we got the nosy neighbor, Loretta Bird, who uh, a <laughs> little, little, little religious, just saying. Oh, a little. Oh, going there, huh? <laughs> just a little. <laughs> Understatement of the year. And then we got uh, Chris Waters, our pilot, and then Alice, his his fiance, surprise. So, yeah, it's they're all interesting characters because I think they work together in this, this stew that Alice Monroe puts out here. But the story kind of opens up with like that plane flying down, landing nearby. And we got the nosy bird neighbor coming over to be like, oh, he's going to take people up and charge people money. And, and, and this is the backdrop to the story. But you, you immediately get this class kind of feeling the way that the peebles are in here. And we're looking down on people that don't farm, I think, with the, the narrative energy, right? Because the peebles, oh, they got to outsource everything, right? And even the birds are looked down a little bit because they also don't farm. But Edie, she's she's useful. Like she can work with her hands. She can get stuff done. And I feel like not only was it this kind of class divide, but it was also of that it was the outsider coming into their little knit community, and that Mrs. Bird is you know fearful of that of oh they're coming away to steal our people away. Maybe not just so much to entertain them, but lure them away from, you know, the godly lifestyle living out in the country. Well, would you say outsider or is it even maybe I wonder like kind of like city versus urban life, like like, oh, out in the country, honey, this is what we do. Like, hey, go look in their drawers. They're not using those contraceptives, are they? That's a sin. Like Loretta with seven kids is kind of like wondering what's wrong with these city folk coming in with only two. (laughs) 
Oh, for sure. Yeah, I definitely think that there is not only that class divide, but that urban life versus rural life and what morality comes with the the rural life. They, I feel like Loretta was, was speaking to that. If you live a rural life, that farming life, you're going to be closer to God. We've seen that in many stories, and you're going to be a more moral person. Mm. So our girl Edie puts on a dress one day, getting some ginger ale, has makeup on. She is dressing up, right? She's she's fantasizing. She's a young girl. Girls will do that. And that's when she's kind of startled by Chris, who is our pilot, who is kind of looking at her through the screen door and immediately just just lavishes her with these these compliments and these these fake uh, sayings to make her feel good. But again, you know, later on, she's like, don't don't be telling them about it because I wanted to dress up. I wanted to look nice. I didn't. She didn't have that as a country girl. She didn't have that as a poor uh, worker. I, I, there's clearly some commentary there. Yeah, you kind of feel sorry for for Edie at this point in time because she clearly is um, a good person. She's a good worker, and she just wants to feel good about herself. And I feel like that uh, the rest of the characters are kind of being putting her down. And she just wants to kind of lift herself up. Her her self-esteem is low. And this way she can put on this dress and feel good about herself. And then she's caught. And she doesn't want to get in trouble because, you know, she needs her job. And I feel like I feel like Chris kind of uses that against her, don't you? Like he uses that knowledge to lure her into all of these pseudo dates. Mm. Mm, I hadn't thought about it from that perspective. He's definitely leading her. Right. And let's put it this way. We don't know. We don't 100% see behind the curtains of Chris. But with Edie, we know she is not equipped at a younger age, perhaps to handle some of these emotional turmoil about the feelings that she feels, the words that he's using. It, it all gets thrown together in this stew that just excites her. And she doesn't really know how to express it just yet. She doesn't know how to react, and she doesn't know how to almost kind of keep like a, that that protective wall up. I would say it's almost a. Would you say this is a coming of age story, perhaps? Definitely a coming age story for Edie. I kept thinking about okay, if this guy went off to war and learned how to become a pilot, and now he's coming back, and almost felt like a little bit creepy that he's seducing this young girl, but is is this kind of a, a play on really what happened of? that these young men went off as boys, experienced a, a tragedy of life experiences in a short amount of period of time, came back men, and they were a lot more mature and older than the people they left behind. And so it's hard for them to reacclimate into society. And I feel like that's kind of the disconnect between Edie and Chris as they're going on these dates. Yeah. Now, in today's age, like when you think about like 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 dating tropes, you have those 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 men that are like, I'm not really ready to settle down. I'm just not in that head space. Like, can we just just hang out? Like, I just want to have a good time. And like, that's that's like the <laughs> wink, casual wink. signal. Yeah, the red flag casual signal, right? I wonder how much because you got to remember this is her reflecting back on when she was younger, right? Like, how much does she downplay potential signals that were there? Because, you know, he says he saw the town from above. Like, he just he just wants to watch it from above. And that, to me, kind of signals that, like, he doesn't want to be in the town. You know what I mean? Like, he just wants to observe the town. He wants to give people their rides, do his thing. But he's not ready to settle down, right? He's not in that headspace. He, he needs to keep traveling around different towns. So, like, how much of this is 
is she picking up and not picking up on his inaccessibility even? Another movie popped in my head when I was reading this. So the whole time I was thinking about How I Met Your Mother, as I said at the beginning, but I also got a little bit of vibe of Coming to America with Eddie Murphy, and it popped in my head of this guy's just trying to soil his royal oats. You know, he's a city boy thinking he could take advantage of a country girl, and that it just kind of was like, ah, this guy's a little bit scummy, I felt like, in my opinion. Mm, you had those vibes from the beginning, huh? Yeah. Well... We have Alice Keeling enter Miss Waters' fiance. And worse yet, she's one of them educated city folk. Oh my. <laughs> we, we learned that she was a nurse. So, again, a little bit nicer paying. She's educated. And she, you know, nursed Chris before he had to leave for war. He had this ruptured spleen. So, again, hmm. We, the country, look down on you educated, look down on the money. We're all about hospitality even. Like, do, do you think there's more city country conversation here or do you think it's class or what do you think? I, th- I think it's both. I, I think that you can go either direction. Um, I think it's showing that education might be something that the city folk are going to lord over the country folk just as, you know, Mrs. Bird was lording her religious righteousness over the city folks. So each feel like you're just trying to outdo one another. Um, you know, which in the grand scheme of things seems just silly because what is the purpose? What's their end goal? We know Edie really just wants to kind of be loved. She just wants affection. Um, and Chris seems like he has ulterior motives, which don't seem very genuine. Uh, and everybody else just doesn't seem like they have a life of their own. So they're living vicariously through these other people because they're not happy. Yeah. Cause Dr. Peebles, he offers Alice to stay at their house, like only in the country, buddy. <laughs> you know, out here where I live, it's like go go get a hotel. But uh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> but, I tried uh, to get a hotel. Also... Your your wife wouldn't let me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, my she's wife good is country from folk. Kentucky. She's from Kentucky. Don't forget. Yep. But uh, <laughs> you, you know, you you mentioned earlier about how Miss the nosy bird, right? She was kind of lording over a little bit. And here she's like, oh, huh, long, uh, long engagement you had there, Alice. And I kind of felt her just just digging it in a little bit. Like, is she prying to find out, like, have they done anything more? Or is she prodding that, like, yeah, he ain't that into you? You know what I mean? Yeah, I didn't get that. I feel like just because she's so nosy, but also the fact that in her mind, she needs to protect the morality or the purity of Edie. And so she needs to know, have you done anything with him? Uh, And it kind of leads us into the rest of the story where she's like, no, I I didn't sleep with him. You know, we were just kissing and they don't believe her, uh, which is kind of heartbreaking. Whoa, 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 you are skipping some important parts, friend. You don't think that was the most important part? First of all, Chris and Alice went out together at night. And when they come back, if you remember, they go separate ways. They don't don't go the same way together, right? Like they, they separate. And then you also have to remember that when Edie goes out to tell you know, like, so they're, they're sending, um, Alice out with the kids. So, so Edie has to go tell him that, he, that she won't be back till tonight. Right. So she's going to the tent to see him. And I think it's really important that, that they're going to this intimate spot, the tent. And also when Alice and Chris went out, they're in, a, a, again, a very intimate and secluded space away at night. Right. So both times when these women are seeing Chris, they're in seclusion. They're away from public eyes. Uh, it, it's questionable what could happen in these situations. We don't know. 
right? Like we don't know right. what technically was happening. We think they're splitting apart because why would they go separate ways at the end of the day? We think, right, that um, our, our girl Edie isn't doing anything because she says, oh, oh, no, no, I wasn't intimate. I mean, we just kissed, but we don't know, right? Like technically this story is her point of view, right? Oh, yeah. And maybe, maybe Definitely. she got caught. She got caught doing something and tried to reel it back. Oh, like, oh, no, no, I, I really didn't do anything. But this is just her reflecting on it years later. And since nobody knows what happened in that tent besides her, because Chris took off, it could totally be one of those things that she's reflecting on differently. Yeah, I mean, she could be, you know, an untrustworthy narrator. It doesn't feel like it. I mean, Edie feels like she's being genuine. Um, maybe she she's misremembering. Maybe she's lying to herself. Um, maybe it was a bad experience, uh, but it just feels like she, I don't know if she was ashamed or she didn't want the guilt trip that Mrs. Bird was going to give her. I don't know. It's kind of like the, um, I don't think Alice Monroe was going for this, but it, it kind of gives me feelings of like the tabernacle, right? If we're thinking about Bird and that whole religious thing of like, you have to be pure to enter, right? right? Like the tabernacle. But here in this this tent, you become impure, right? Like the, the seclusion of when a man and a woman are alone together. And I think, I think why those two parts are really important is because I think they are meant, because it shows those are the only two times men and women um, are meant to have these intimate moments and they're both seclusion and in way places away from public eyes, right? It's, it's, it could be seedy. Who knows what's going on there? Ooh. But when you compare that with, okay, now we're fast forwarding to the end where Chris, you know, he takes off, Right. And unexpectedly says, I, I mean that's important too right he, he just doesn't be like all right guys it's been fun i'm leaving like he exits stage left in the middle of the night and tells nobody <laughs> oh yeah. yeah he ghosted her real hard yeah oh he oh, <laughs> oh yeah that's what the kids say nowadays he got ghosted i'm gonna bring it modern oh, that was terrible please pretend i didn't say that <laughs> <laughs> all right but you're you're absolutely right because then you know she's checking the mailbox every day when's when's chris gonna write like like she still has this naive nature to her, right? Like she, she has she had her coming of age moment. I think in the context of the story, the answer is no, because I think it's when she's meeting the mailman every day, and this is why I think it's important not to skip those two parts. Because when she's going to check the mail, where is she? She's out in public, in the warm. You know, you can imagine the warm. Oh, country and they're coming together. In yeah. the community, everybody sees it. It's like a public thing. Like, like there's something to be said that that's not like that secretive cooking up nature, like the way that like they're they're connecting. It's more natural the way it's out in public. And honestly, it was a cute twist the way that like she's she thinks or the husband thinks that she was chasing him by coming out to the mailbox every day when she was actually waiting for the letter from the other guy. Yeah, uh, there's something there's something wholesome about how that's presented as opposed to what you do in the tent and like that. What you guys do when you're out in the car and then you came back and went separate ways, right? Like it's it's uh it, it gives it a, a wholesome story. I think I think ending. Yeah, I I wanted to have the wholesome feeling too, but you know where my brain goes. So I'm going to bring you down this path with me and you're going to be mad. <laughs> so, Oh gosh, are you going to ruin it for me? Fine. Yes. Yes, I am. <laughs> so Edie is the only one that's wholesome in the whole story pretty much, right? And yes. the mailman is society 
mailman is semi-urbanization. Oh, you're going to say he hid the letter. You're going to say he hid the letter. He hid the letters so he would have an excuse to go see her every day. And there she is going, oh, my good husband telling the kids that, you know, he, I came and visited him every day at the thing, and little does she know, he's telling this big fibber of a story because he stole those dang letters so he could go see her every day when he knew she was waiting a letter from Chris. Because it was scandalous. In small towns, everybody knows every business. You know the mailman of all people <laughs> would know that she was in love, infatuation with Chris, and he got those letters and threw them away, burnt them, hid them, so he could have a chance with Edie. <laughs> All right. If if I believed you even for a second on that, yes, that would ruin the story for me. <laughs> I'm sorry, brother. <laughs> no, no, I, I don't think that's what was intended. But I, I, I do appreciate that. I do appreciate that, and I do appreciate how you always are able to spot those sneaky fox moments. So <laughs> <laughs> I try. What did you guys think happened? Do you think something happened in that tent or not? Was she telling the truth? Or what do you think about that ending? Did it pull it together for you? Let us know in the comments down below. My name has been Una. Thank you for spending some time with us. Alice Monroe playlist down below. Peace. Peace.